Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Tammy Timmons. She recently completed an Ironman in 12 hours while following a high-fat, no-sugar, no-grains diet. Tammy, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's, you know, I wanted to have you on the show just to hear more about Ironman and how you got into that and how you do that on a high-fat diet. You know, the farthest I've ever gone in a running race is 50K, and so I'm just really interested in people like you who, you know, go out there and spend 12 hours on a race course and what motivates you to do it and and how you do that with your diet. So tell me a little bit about how you got started with the no sugar, no grains approach. I think my story is very similar to a a lot of people just searching for a better way to do things. Um, I was definitely a calorie in, calorie out girl, and I uh, had a pretty good race here last year doing that with a typical diet of racers, um, high carb. I made my own bars, and I've always tried to be healthy, but um, I definitely uh, did the goose and all that stuff in the sports drinks for sure, and I would always gain the weight back come you know the holidays when the race season was over. So this year, I there there was some it actually kind of a sad story. My grandfather passed away, and so emotionally, I was kind of distraught. And um, it happened January first, so it was kind of the start of a new year, a new race season, dealing with that. And so I to kind of get my mind off things, I started to watch some videos. And so I watched Vegucated and Food Inc. and a lot of those. And I did the vegan thing for a while and um, found Rich Roll and then found Vinnie Tortorich. And so this was kind of the circle that that got me to this point. And um, I felt great doing vegan for a while. It was, I kind of had this, you know, honeymoon period of getting rid of the sugars and grains. And I got ben, Brendan Brazier's book. And, and I'm not saying that won't work for a lot of people and kudos and hats off for those that it works. Mm-hmm. But my body was, you know, after the honeymoon period was over, my body was kind of falling apart and telling me it wasn't the diet for me. Mm. So I found Vinnie Tortorich and it just seemed that all these different puzzle pieces came together and it made a lot of sense. And so I would say in March, I went hardcore, no sugar, no grain. And I just, it was almost like one day I ate one way and the next day I ate another and I didn't look back. Okay. So, and yeah. for, for those of you listening who are, aren't familiar, Vinny's been on the show a couple of times and his basic approach is just to cut out the sugars and the grains and that's going to help fill your body a lot better. You're going to be able to fill your body with fat and adipose tissue instead of constantly using sugar. So w- once you tried that, how long did it take to make the transition? Yeah, I have to say there was a couple months of frustration and I think I'm still on this journey that I still haven't capitalized as much as I can on this diet and there's still some tweaking to be done. But um, I didn't feel like I had as much power and um, at the same time see a lot of things switched. I really took 
um, the Z, the zone two training to heart. So I was really complementing each other with the diet and, and, um, exercise. So I had days when I was climbing that I could tell on the bike, I was really suffering. The bike is, uh, where I feel the most comfortable. So of course I would really be hard on myself when I couldn't perform as well as I could, but I feel really had faith in the system. Um, I'm not a great swimmer and I'm not a great runner. So, um, when I wasn't performing as best there, I didn't bother me as much and I knew it would come, but I think I saw through the months that I was able to, and I was in awe of being able to eat just either some protein and some fat in the morning, whether it's a bulletproof coffee or some eggs and an avocado and go out and work out for three to six hours and basically fuel on nothing but you can maybe some nuts um so I do use the you can the super starch and mm-hmm. I would put a little protein in it and I was just in awe over and over again that I would complete these workouts without having any sugar it was amazing to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so were you doing triathlon and Ironman training before you went to the no sugars no grains diet um in previous years, I've done more cycling. I've I've dabbled in triathlons. I always called myself more a cyclist than I did a triathlete. I don't know if now I can call myself that or not, <laughs> that I've completed the Ironman. Maybe I am a triathlete now. But um, but yeah, I every year I kind of have a couple of goals that I want. And uh, where I live, they put together this really great team. There's a coffee company in Raleigh with some great friends that are involved in. And they all decided to do a half Ironman this year in June. And so they had asked me to be part of the team and I jumped on board. And in the back of my mind, um, back when I heard about Ironman, I wanted to do one. It was a bucket list. And the first time I heard about Ironman, I thought it was a joke. I thought there's no human that would do that in one day. I I thought that was just terrible, (laughs) but um, it always intrigued me. My first triathlon I did when I was, I believe, 28 years old. 29 years old. Uh, my son was just about four. My first son was four to six, uh, four months old, I believe, four to six months old. And I did my first sprint triathlon. And so ever since then, I, I had it in the back of my mind that the Ironman was something I would do one day. And I used to joke, I'll do it when I'm 40, when I have time. And I'm 39. So I, I you know, did it a little <laughs> sooner. So you you mentioned that you did a lot of cycling before you switched to Ironmans. Um, when when you would cycle on uh, like a grain based diet or um, eating a lot of sugars out on the bike, what kind of differences did you see? Did you did you feel like you were performing better? Did you just feel better while you were out there, or what was it that kind of kept you going on this higher fat style diet? Well, I could manage a lot of cycling races. Um, I did mountain biking, and I think the longest race I've done is a hundred k on the on the mountain bike, and I. I have always, always had stomach issues and they were a lot more apparent when I ran. So I could get away with a little bit more on a bike. Mm -hmm. So when I started uh, mountain bike racing back in 1998, um, I've been taking gels and Gatorade and those types of drinks and, and, and things for so long. I think it kind of messed me up. And when I started running, it became very, very clear that that didn't agree with my stomach. And I really didn't know what it was that didn't agree with my stomach. I just knew that I always suffered greatly. And in the back of my head, I thought, if I'm ever going to do an Ironman, I have got to sort this out. So I've done two um, marathons, all in prep for one day doing this Ironman. I knew I had to get through a marathon. And, and they were terrible, and I cramped. And 
Um, I always had a little bit of stomach issues, but I, I got through it. Um, biking, it, it's, I, I've been trying to think. Last year when I was really, really trying to race strong, I would just always have to fuel with the carbs to get me through the race. I mean, you had to or I would fall apart. Mm. I didn't feel good. I, I was hungry. If I was going to make that next hill, I had to eat. So what had fueled me is the fact that I just could just keep going. And I really wasn't ever hungry on the bike. And I still would take in the UCAN and certain things after if I had any workouts more than three hours, or if I knew I was going to have a workout that was really tough that day, a track day, I might try to take in a little more. And I've experimented with the UCAN. And I realized I, I didn't even need it as much as I thought I did. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's still, I'm feel like I'm still experimenting. This is one big science experiment and I'm not, I'm not done yet seeing how far your body can go. Um, I think I've reached, I think I found out a little bit at Ironman. I think I have some conclusions, um, on that, but, uh, well, what are, what are some of those things that you've been thinking about since Ironman? Well, I started off my day and I did have bulletproof coffee. I wavered on whether I was going to have, um, for my half, I had some hard boiled eggs and, and avocado. And I sipped some mucan to the to the race start. And um, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, maybe bulletproof coffee would do it. I've listened to the Fit Fat Fast um, show and listened to Ben Greenfield. So I'm, I'm really listening to a lot of things, just trying to take in as much knowledge. And it re- worked really well for Ben. So I drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, <laughs> and did it. And I uh, did sip a little bit of UCAN, about three quarters of a scoop in water on the way to the race start and uh, to the swim start that morning. And as I was swallowing salt water on the swim and I, you know, didn't taste very good. I was really grateful I had nothing else in my stomach, but I really had my mind um, was fine. I, you know, I didn't have any sugar lows or anything got through the swim and felt great. Um, as I went into the first transition, I was, you know, a lot of things because I haven't done this distance, even in training, like, Mm. well, maybe I'll eat some almonds. So I think I might've had five almonds and I got onto the bike knowing I needed to fuel at some point. Um, I have to say, when I, I, I was thinking about the whole day about what sugar I had. And I had forgotten, I think, when I um, was recalling this to some other people, is I did take an X2 performance. I had gotten some free samples, and I've used it in two other races this year. And I can't, I don't really know my body well enough if there's a difference or not. But I thought, well, I'll just take it at this point and see what happens. And um, I might have been 20 minutes into the bike. Mm. And at that point, all I was sipping on, I think I had two water bottles with two scoops of UCAN in each, a scoop of um, denatured, cold-processed, plain protein powder, and a teaspoon of MCT oil. So that's what I had on the bike, and I had salt sticks. So I was making sure I was taking about two of those every hour, the, um, the electrolytes. So uh, I think at mile 40, I took a Justin Butter uh, almond packet, mm-hmm. and I thought that that felt really good. And I think I'll take another one at mile 80 if, if I need it. Mm-hmm. So at the special needs bag at mile 55, I, I started to get a little hungry by then and was trying to decide what I should eat. Once again, this is, you know, <laughs> trying to figure this out. Um, I think I might have taken another almond butter packet at some point. And, um, oh, and I took some and I brought olives. They make these really nifty packets of olives. They have 10 and I lost one olive. So I had nine, (laughs) one fell. And so, um, I'm trying to, and the only other time I remember that I took anything else on the bike was mile 90. 
I had one packet left. Because it was so cold, I had a wind vest on, so it wasn't as easy to grab my nutrition in my back pocket. So I have a little bento box, and I had a artisan coconut butter packet in there. And I knew that that could could be a good thing or a bad thing because my stomach doesn't always agree with it. I think I took one teaspoon of that. It was a nibble. And I also made a honey mixture, one teaspoon of honey and five ounces of water. I think I've gotten it from Phil Maffetone's um, website to trickle sugar. And I um, did have a consult with Vinny Tortorich before uh, the race. He did say hi. He wants me to say hi to you. Oh, by the way. great. And um, he said to trickle, to trickle sugar on the bike if you need. And so I asked him about honey. He said that would be good. And I took a sip of that and the coconut at the same time. And almost immediately, my stomach turned. Mm-hmm. And I will now not know what it was that affected it. Mm-hmm. So I had about 22 miles to get that sorted out. And I was really bummed that that happened. So I was scared to eat anything else at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so then here comes the run and I, you know, I could calculate how much I ate for the most part. It wasn't really, you know, two almond butter packets, some olives and some can, which always gets stuck to my bottle. So I may have probably had one whole one and a half scoops of can total for 112 miles, which took me six hours and 11 minutes and some change. Okay. So I get to T2 and uh, I was advised to eat something um, at that, but my stomach wasn't feeling great. And so I was very perplexed on what to take. So I actually took a bite of cheese. I put some manchego cheese in my um, T2 bag. And I grabbed that. I, I took a really small bite and it was good. So I, I liked it. And I grabbed my um, fuel belt with my UCAN mixture in there as well and took off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go into the first half marathon and I did a really big rookie mistake, which is not, which is something I know. And you never do anything new on race day. And I know this, <laughs> but. Uh, I took a gamble and I bought a race belt that was told not to bounce. I was really afraid I wasn't going to have enough nutrition on the run because, of course, I can't take anything at the aid stations, Mm -hmm. um, being no sugar, no grain. So I wanted to pack it in like a pack mule, and it was really (laughs) bothering my stomach. It was bouncing around. I always practiced with just a handheld bottle. I just didn't Uh think it'd be enough. And I was kicking myself for 13 miles with this thing. So I was very upset. I took the little flask out and held two flasks in my hand to get the weight off my stomach and Mm -hmm. and ran. And nothing sounded good. I made myself take some salt sticks. I knew that I had to keep my electrolytes in balance because it it was good in training. Um, I sipped on the UCAN. But I have to say that I just didn't feel that great. And through this whole experience of no sugar, no grain, and from listening to everybody else's race story, that turning to sugar is definitely something you should do to complete your race and to not just hold a standard so high that you fail. Mm -hmm. So in the back of my mind, I always knew if I need to grab Coke, I would do it. I would do what I had to do, but I'm pretty stubborn. (laughs) So when I rounded the bend, um, I still don't think I took anything up but the you can. And... I started to feel a little dizzy and um, I was kind of getting a headache um, and I was just wondering what should I do? It was just very hard to make that decision. And I think people who use the normal race nutrition, they don't have this inner conflict. (laughs) 
So um, when I got to the special needs at the turnaround point, I ditched my belt and I grabbed my handheld. I'm glad I had enough forethought to pack that for another just in case. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy. And I decided this is at my half marathon. Let's get this done. And I'm going to take something. And I just still didn't know what till I got to the table and looked at it. And I said, you know, I eat fruit. I eat vegetables. I'm grabbing an orange. And it was the best orange <laughs> I had ever had in my life. So I started to take that. Oh, yeah, I started to drink some broth, too, because that was really, really good. Okay. And um, so I stopped at every station and walked and had a, sucked a little orange slice, took a little sip of broth felt really good. My stomach issues went away. I kept a really good pace for, for what I can do. And that's all I did the whole race. It was... What, what point really, did you take the orange? What, what mile I, was that? I, I would say it was mile 14. Okay. About mile 14 I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've just taken this year to really absorb all good tips and tricks from everybody. And, and just, you know, I'm old enough to know if people have done something and it's worked well to really pay attention, you know, listen to everyone, follow no one. And just, you know, I think Dean Carnassus has said that. And so I've been really listening and, and um, trying to find things that work for me. And someone told me a couple weeks ago who did his first Ironman in Knoxville, that there are 26 parties out there, at the aid station, you need to stop at every one. Mm. And I've always been too proud to stop, but I said, <laughs> I'm doing it this time. And I walked and that walking really, really helped me think, maintain a pace in between. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really great advice and very glad I did that. I mean, I hope that in the future I can uh, be faster and maybe walk less, but if I need to, I'm not going to have a hang up about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have to deal with any cramps? I know you said you dealt with that in the past. No, it was, um, well, what kind of cramps, like stomach cramps or leg well, cramps? What, what did you mean when you said you used to deal with cramps? Was that stomach cramps or was that muscle? Yeah, for the running stomach issue type okay. cramps were, were a big issue. I continue to have uh, cramps in my calves mm. and I dealt with that during the swim and I was worried about that on the bike, but I kept a really good quick turnover. So I wasn't taxing my muscles and that kept it at bay. And I kept waiting for any kind of leg cramp to happen on the marathon, which happens, you know, I've only done two prior to this and they always happen. And it didn't, I kept waiting for something really bad to happen on the run, cramping or, you know, feeling sick to my stomach in a way that I'd have to stop. I mean, I was uncomfortable, but it was never at a point where I had to stop. And I just feel like that was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Congrats on that. That's That sounds like an amazing story. Um, so did, did you have fun while you were doing it? Is this something that you're going to do again? I really hope so. If my, <laughs> I don't think my husband wants to hear that. I mean, my family puts up with a lot and they have just been so supportive. Um, when I got into the water, I had the biggest smile going on in the inside. Of course, I couldn't smile when I was swimming, but I didn't panic in the water. It was freezing outside, but the water temperature was warm. And it just, I just kept telling myself, this is my dream. I'm doing this. And I can't believe I'm here. So I think my attitude that day was just so great. And when I was on the bike, I I was just kind of taking it all in and really enjoying, you know, I was racing, I was doing what I needed to do, but I kept reminding myself that all this years of wanting to do this and making my dream come true, I was just really, I think I smiled quite a bit um, on that bike, especially. And I was really worried about the run because that's where it usually falls apart for me. But as I kept going and going and I wasn't falling apart, 
um, I just kept thinking all this preparation, all these podcasts I've been listening <laughs> to and books I've been reading, it has all really, really worked. And mm-hmm. the no sugar, no grain thing is is really quite amazing. I never got into ketosis, which I think some people who follow this have, and it might work for them. I think sometimes I worry that maybe I should. I, um, you know, I still feel like I'm on this journey. I have some weight to lose still, which I think is hard to do when you are in the middle of the training. And I, um, did eat a lot of fruit. I didn't stop that. And, you know, a lot of the vegetables and my my body may not tolerate this amazing, uh, uh, race report. And I, when I was looking back at my year, I haven't gotten sick this whole year. And I Mm. always get bronchitis. I always get sinus infections. Um, my recovery from each day putting in long hours was amazing. And I really attribute this diet and a lot of the zone two training, I think a combination of both have just been really, really a successful formula. Okay. So you mentioned that you have family. How many kids do you have? I have three kids. I have an 11 year old and I have twins that will be turning eight soon. Oh, wow. So how does training, uh, how do you fit in training with some, uh, such a, you know, so much going on with your family? Right. Well, I am one of the very fortunate ones that I'm a stay at home mom. And one of the reasons why I decided that Ironman training would wait till I was almost 40 was I needed the kids to be in school all day. And if we could afford for me to stay home still, that that was when I could fit in my training. Mm-hmm. So I usually had about a six-hour window, five days a week, to get some training in. But during that time, I, as all moms know, whether I stay home or not, there's other things that need to get done. So I didn't spend six hours every day training mm-hmm. on lunches to be made and shopping and dinner and soccer and, and volunteering at school. And so there's um, a lot that gets done. But I, I don't know how the moms do it who work and have kids, too. So I am in a very wonderful, unique um, situation. So, mm-hmm. so, I'm lucky. so, so what is your training like on, on a weekly basis? Um, I would, I had a plan that I just found on the internet. One of those that I looked over and it seemed like it would work well. And I think the biggest week, I'm trying to think of the biggest week was between 16 and 19 hours, I think. And I don't know if I could actually fit all of that in. Um, some, I would have to switch my big workouts instead of having a Saturday and Sunday, as most people would, it would be my Thursday and Friday. Saturday was always filled with soccer. Uh, we had travels games to go to. So Saturday was a good rest day for me traveling to soccer. And if I could fit something in on Sunday, I certainly would try. My husband was really good about letting me go, but sometimes that wouldn't work out. Um, but yeah, I would, I was a brick almost every day. I would think I would do, I do some sort of either swim or bike or bike or run or vice versa. Um, one of the program that I was on, I can't even recall where I got it from, had me doing something very interesting on my long days. Um, the longest run I did was a 19 miler and they had me do a bike run sandwich. So I would do part of the run and then I would do a, a bike where I would spin and then I would run again. So I never had a really long run. And I, at first I questioned it. You know, you always question, will I be ready? Is this enough? And I think because it helped stay injury free that it was a really good, it worked really well for me. So my long runs were always kind of a bike sandwich as they called it. And, um, and that worked really well. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about your diet on a daily basis when, when, um, you know, you're not out on the bike, what kind of things are you eating? 
Yeah, I I do. Like I said, I'll do sometimes I'll just do coffee with a little heavy cream or I'll do the bulletproof. And of course, I'm saying that, but I'm using my own coffee and I'd put some coconut oil or some grass fed butter in there or um, some MCT oil. Or I would do eggs in avocado. That was kind of probably a huge staple of mine, a couple eggs and an avocado. Um, I would snack on nuts and fruit with some cream or coconut oil or coconut milk. Um, and I would always have a big salad. And I'm, I love salmon and I love um, the sardines. So I would do that a lot. And dinner was typically a vegetable and a protein of some sort, whatever the family was, was eating. So I, I ate a lot of salads. Um, that's probably one of my favorite. Um, being a vegan was one of my easiest diets because I love vegetables and fruit. And I actually have a harder time eating meat. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, it's, I'm not, um, so opposed, but I try to get really healthy sources. I'm, I'm lucky where we're at and I can get a lot of grass fed meat and, um, I can go down the street and there's a fridge and it's get your own fresh pastured eggs. And I just put some money in a little margarine bucket they have in the fridge and I grab those. So I eat a lot of eggs and I eat a lot of fish. That's probably my favorite sources of meat protein. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm. So is your family on board with this style of eating? Um, what's interesting is my husband, <clears throat> we've been married for a long time, and he has definitely morphed into someone eating a lot healthier than he used to. His only vegetable he ate when he was young was corn, and mm. it's not really a vegetable. <laughs> So um, when I started to really get involved in this and try to get him, he he's very stubborn. Um, he lost 14 pounds almost immediately by just cutting out a lot of the sugar and the grains. It was amazing. And he's running better than he's ever ran before in cycling. He doesn't race like me. He's actually training for his first marathon in January. And I'm very excited for him. The kids are doing fantastic. They are not grain-free and sugar-free, but they definitely is been cut out. The processed food has been cut out tremendously. And um, I just see a better, their attitude is better. They're just mm. uh, embracing it. And I've explained to them, which is great with kids. You know, when I was young, there was a family that um, didn't allow their son to have sugar and they just said it made him hyper. And they never explained it. And when you're young, you said, oh, that's so silly. Why can't he have candy? They're weird. Mm. But I've explained to my kids what it does to them. And they have really embraced it. And they look on the back of ingredients and they see high fructose corn syrup. They put it down and mom, this has dye in it, you know, red number 40. And they, and I said, Oh yeah, put that away. And, and it's great. It's, I think it's just been a really great year for a whole family health wise and making really good choices. Mm -hmm. So for people out there listening that might want to try this out, do you have any ideas or tips for people who for getting started? I mean, how did you go about it? Did you just clean out your pantry and fridge or did you do it gradually? You know, I've been so busy that I have expired things. I'm sure in my, in my <laughs> pantry that I need to now that I'll have more time to go through. Um, you know, it's, it's real food. And I've been very fortunate. I grew up in a family where my mom was a fabulous cook and, um, she is Chinese and, and, and makes absolutely wonderful food. And she, um, so I had a really good base of, of healthy food, but you know, with kids, you start to, you, you will grab the macaroni and cheese and you'll grab the pasta and so on. Cause it's easy. And my husband liked it and so on. But I think if you kind of work slowly and you eliminate one thing at a time, it 
it makes it a lot easier for families. So you're not hit with it. And to really explain to your kids, they look at these ingredients and especially if they can read, they look at it and they can't pronounce. I'm like, oh, do you know what that does to your body? And you know, you know, your body doesn't run on, on juice. You know, it, it, it needs water. Your muscles, I'll tell them your muscles aren't made out of, you know, this kind of thing. They're made out of, it's made out of water. You need that. And, and they're really on board. My oldest son is, is a fantastic soccer player. I'm kind of bragging a little bit, but he'll take coconut water for his, his um, Gatorade mm-hmm. and he comes out and does really great. And I've had parents ask like, what do you feed that kid? <laughs> he gets out his coconut water. Now I don't drink it because of the sugar content and I'm watching it a little different, but, um, but they do, they will have things like that. And okay. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to stay motivated on this diet or is it something that you've come to enjoy? I have enjoyed it. It what is really refreshing to me is that it, it has been so easy. I don't crave the sweets. And I think I just posted um, on Facebook about how I'm not even scared of Halloween anymore. And I look at this stuff and it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. And it's just so liberating to not be attached to needing the sugar or wanting the sugar. When you're finally off of it, you can dismiss it. And, and it's just so liberating. So um, I tell people, if you can get through the kind of, you know, it is like a drug. You have to come of detox off of it mm-hmm. get it out of your system and it's just a great feeling so um so yeah i think i think that it's definitely well worth giving it a go well tammy it's been great talking with you today and you know i'm sure people listening will have learned a lot and congratulations on your iron man and and for sharing with the audience and the listeners what's been going on for you and all your experiments so it, i i just want to say thanks again for coming on the show today Oh, you're welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.